citizens, George Lowe here, voice of TV's beloved Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I'll see you at Sci-Fi Bartow. Look out, Bartow. Daddy's coming back. Sci-Fi Bartow. It's going to be February 20th, downtown Bartow. And the special guests that are beaming up are going to be Joel D. Winecoop, the king of the B-movies, Chuck Dixon, the Batman rider, our good friend Claire Davis, Bill Hatfield, and of course, don't forget, Maria Saber of Gothic Sushi is going to be there live and in person. What else we got going on, Johnny? Do Sci-Fi Bar 2 is three blocks of fun. It is at 200 East Main Street. It'll be 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's a free event, Deuce. Totally free. Sci-fi vendors, kids' activities, amusement area, costume contests, even pet costume contests, face painting, trivia games, live music, props from film and television, as well as an iconic movie car show. And our favorite character, karaoke. Big shout-out to Sean Sardinsky and Lois Lane of Sci-Fi Bartow. They're putting out this amazing event and Main Street Bartow. Remember, Deuce, this is February 20th, 2016. Don't forget to come see your boys live. The, the Happy, Happy Hour, Hour with Johnny, Johnny and Deuce. Deuce. And we'll see you February 20th at Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi Bartow. This is Scott Fenster, and you're listening to The Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack. Of course, I got my main man, Deuce. What's going on, brother? Hey, and of course, we got our third member, Brandy Womack. Yay! Hey, and of course, this is the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We're a twice weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And of course, Deuce, you know, every single episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce starts off with a good old Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Ah, ah perfect. Good times, good times. And of course, Deuce, we love to have special guests with us on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We and of do. course, right now we have live from Sci-Fi's Face Off, we have Scott Finsterer. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Thank you guys for having me. This is an awesome opportunity. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it, I know. Well, we loved your work so much on the show, but also when we got to see it in person at the Lakeland Zombie Fest... We were so, at least me personally, was so uh, floored and blown away with it, and we can't wait to see it here coming this Saturday at Sci-Fi Bartow. Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about the experience at, at you know, Sci-Fi Space Off, um, is that it's giving me more opportunity to share what I love about special effects and share it with people that sometimes don't get to see the behind the scenes and how it's done. And these shows are great because you can do the demo and show people how it's done and also have a live question and answer. You know, as you're doing the makeup, they get to see it and ask questions that are pertinent to the makeup that you're doing. And these are people that sometimes are novices, sometimes are intermediate, but you're helping them along in their track. And it's all about education. How did you get into uh, working with the special effects and makeup and all that? Um, Well, I mean, gosh, it goes so far back um, here in Florida. Uh, there was a time in the late 80s when they were trying to bring Hollywood to Florida, and it became Hollywood East. Everyone talked about Hollywood East. Uh, it was the dawn of, of uh, the, at the time it was called MGM Studios, over with the, the Disney crowd, and Universal Studios just opened up, and they were trying to bring uh, you know Hollywood to Florida. The tax incentives were there, and then all of a sudden the business started coming, and the tax incentives went away. Well, with that, so did the business. So... 
I've had this in again, off again relationship with with special effects starting out back then, then kind of morphing into doing the cats and then action figures and then statue prototype. And then later in my life, I had always been in love with special effects, but I kind of fell in love with it again uh, through a few uh, you know personal changes in my life. It made me reevaluate what I loved. You know what was what was got before I became what the world made me. And it was someone that loved the transformative makeup effect of special effects. And um, I fell back in love with it and then tried out for face-off again. They asked me if I would send in an audition, and I did, and the rest is history. Well, that's awesome. And I wanted to ask, is there anything you could tell us about what you're going to be doing at Sci-Fi Bartow on Saturday? Well, um, you know, things are always fluid and in motion right now. Um, because models are always working. I do have a great friendship with uh, Tim Proctor. He's one of the actors, uh, one of the extra zombies on, on uh, a certain AMC television show that I can't really talk about. Um, but he is a zombie performer, and he's going to be my model. Uh, we're going to do a, a similar take to what you saw at Lakeland Zombie Fest, because zombies are just really hot nowadays. And the, the good thing about a zombie makeup is that so many different skill levels can work on zombies from people that are doing, you know, uh, latex and, and cotton effects or latex and tissue paper or gelatin or silicone. You know, the, the options are wide open. So we're going to show a few different materials that can be used to do a cool kick-ass zombie makeup. Um, and there are some things that you can buy, you know, online, some things that you have in your, in your cupboard. Uh, other things, you would have to go to specialty retailers, so we're going to kind of show different materials that can get the same effect. Well, I know I'm really looking forward to it, because like I said, your 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 demos at Lakeland Zombie Fest were so impressive and so gorgeous. I, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I definitely think the fans of the show that come out to Sci-Fi Bartow are really going to enjoy it. I hope so, man. I mean, that's, that's, like I said, education is one of the things that I really hold dear to my heart. Um, you know, I was taught by some of the greats in, in the Orlando area, um, people that worked on uh, Day of the Dead and Rick Gonzalez. He was always one of my bigger mentors. Um, you know, he was he was employed at a, a, a makeup shop here in Orlando when I was just coming into things. And he and, and a couple other guys, uh, if I can I give a shout out? Sure, go right ahead. Um, there were there were three guys that were really formative in my in my makeup beginning. And one of them was Rick and Dolph, like I said, uh, Michael Davey, and uh, you know they they were like they were like the 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 heckle and jekyll at this shop, man. They went back and forth on each other. Um, and then there was this other guy, Alan Duckworth. Those three guys uh, were probably the most important in forming who I was as a special effect artist. They gave me little tidbits of knowledge and, you know, helped make sense out of what this was. Because up until that point, I had book learning. That was about it. So they kind of put it into perspective. So this, you know, 13-year-old kid walks in wanting to do special effects. They kind of showed me a little bit about what those ropes looked like. So, um, you know, they were very instrumental. So I'm big at giving back. And, and uh, you know, when people come into you know, my shop or wherever I am and, and it shows, I educate. Uh, if it was good enough for Dick Smith, the godfather of modern makeup, it's good enough for me. And he always gave back, always shared information. And I think it's like iron sharpening iron. 
if you are a good uh, special effects artist and you share that and your student is better than you are, then you've won. You have your legacy. And iron sharpens iron. You can you can be a better artist by creating better art. Well, no, and that's something we really love. And one of the reasons I personally really want to have you on the show, we're big fans of saying around the show that we like to sit under the learning tree. And we figured what better way to learn about something that we all enjoy, which is FX art and, and makeup, than from somebody as talented as you. Thank you. You know, I'm honored by that, and, you know, I take that responsibility very heavy. Um, you know, when you can when you can educate and teach people that sort of thing, that's what it's all about, man. And if you get enjoyment out of it, it's even better. Well, when you first started out, what were some of the first few, like, gigs you had when you were starting in the FX industry? Uh, some of the first what? I'm sorry? Some of the first gigs or jobs you had when you first started out in the FX industry? Oh, the first gigs. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, it's not as glamorous as one would think. Um, I remember working on um, a, a spider puppet for a theme park, you know, and late, late nights. Another guy that was really uh, informative and helped me out a lot. He was actually one of my first formal instructors, Joel Terry. He... Uh, he caught me into a gig with him where we were literally up until almost dawn working on this project for a deadline. So there's not really the glamour, but there is the, the memory that goes with it. There were a lot like that. Uh, Pat Tanflow, another big team in Orange County in Orlando here, uh, with the Summer Spotter, uh, where we basically made up people as zombies and, and they went into the crowd. This was way back in the ni early 90s. So, I mean, there were gigs like that. Not a lot of Hollywood work this year, but I mean, he got to work on gigs around town, and, and those were the ones that were probably the least paying, but the ones that I have the fondest memories of. What, Scott, what would you say was probably your first Hollywood gig? Wow, that's, um, you know, my first big Hollywood gig is actually one that I just wrapped uh, recently. Um, you know, this uh, this particular one, I can't really talk about yet, but if you hit me up at the show, I might be able to give you enough clues that you get what I'm talking about. But uh, it's one that was shot up in Georgia, which is kind of like the real Hollywood. Uh, there's a lot of work that's coming to Georgia, especially with the new Pinewood Studios, um, all the other little ancillary studios that are popping up. It's a big market up there, and most of what you see on TV and films nowadays, you'll see that little Georgia beach. They're going overtime, and... You know, there's a big movement to bring some of that business back to Florida. And I hope that, uh, you know, if you're politically motivated, contact your legislature. Tell them how important it is to get some sort of tax break to bring, uh, you know, this business back to Florida. It benefits Floridians. It benefits the businesses that are here. Um, and it's something that has kind of gone the wayside for many, many years. But Georgia's living proof. The business is there if we're here thinking. No, and, and you're exactly right, and that's the thing, because I, I, I am definitely politically motivated, and, and I agree with you on what you said earlier. We originally had all these tax breaks, and in the you know the late 80s, early 90s, it looked like we were going to become the new Hollywood East, and then people got greedy and they went away. Now yeah. you see Georgia is jumping all over these tax breaks. Um, Louisiana is jumping all over the movie tax breaks as well. You remember, actually, 
at Zombie Fest, we were actually talking with uh, the guests that yeah. were over there uh, about, you know, hey, Florida needs to get on this bandwagon and get, yeah. get these filming locations going again. Because they used to do, they've made films down here in Florida. They need to get back on that, you know? Well, and like I said, I think until that that they can get everything straightened out with getting the tax incentives, they're like, why am I going to make it in Florida when I can make it for half the price in Georgia or, you know, in Louisiana? I mean, if all you're worried about is getting the tax, I mean, come on. So much other revenue comes into the state. Yeah. So what? Okay, yeah, you're not getting tax, but you're getting revenue on everything else. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. And I mean, for all the crews that you bring in, even if they're from, because that was another big argument, is that the production companies were bringing a lot of talent and a lot of the, the union people in from other states. But the, the bottom line is, is that they're here spending money, you know, going to restaurants, you know, buying stuff in the stores, and it, it does feed the community. And, and a lot of those businesses are the small makeup businesses that survive on the makeup that's being bought. No, you're exactly right, and that was the thing, because I even remember that was the argument when they started repealing some of these, you know, incentives was, oh, these union guys are coming down from out of town and taking jobs and whatever. I'm like, who cares? They've still got to pay for rent for an apartment. They've still got to pay for groceries. They've still got to go out and eat and go to the bars and whatever. So you're going to get your money either way. Who cares who's spending the money? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think... Florida is finally getting a glimpse of that with the booming businesses in Atlanta. If you go to the, the little five points or anything in, in the surrounding areas, Atlantic Nation, the business is booming because a lot of the little studios that are popping up. If you go anywhere within a 50-mile radius or even a 30-mile radius, and you see that businesses are picking up with that with that thriving community. So. It, it, it trickles down. It really does. And, and I hope that Florida does get that. And I hope people are motivated enough to bring that business to Florida. I really hope so, too, because I, I feel bad because, I mean, a prime example, uh, a great show, The Walking Dead. They do all their filming in Georgia. They spend so much money in Georgia. Um, and, you know, the new Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is filming in Georgia. There's so many things filming there that we could just as easily have here if we could just get our tax incentives right. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's just it. Uh, you know, please, if you're listening to this broadcast, get politically motivated about the economy of Florida. You're a Florida citizen directly affect. Well, even though talking about taxes is always fun, <laughs> to switch it to something a little bit more fun, I wanted to ask you about being on Sci-Fi's Face Off. How did that change your career being an FX artist? Uh, it definitely gave me more exposure. Um, the thing is, is that you know I've been a it, you know the phrase the twenty-five year overnight success. Uh, that was pretty much the mentality from from my time on Chase Up because I've been I've been doing this stuff for so long, but it's like that that time on Face Off gave me that public, you know, public viewing where people can see, oh, this guy, let me check out what he's done in the past. Then all of a sudden people are seeing a Shakespeare bust that I did or a greatest American hero action figure or a statue that I did, you know, for whatever company. So, I mean, it kind of, um, you know, it gave me that exposure that I kind of lacked on, on a worldwide scale because, you know, you just don't have that, 
you know, when you're working in the anonymity of, of most of these gigs where they just are, you're a work for higher art. So that part was a little bit different than it's like. But just to be able to go to the shows and kind of get my face out there and educate a new generation, that was probably the biggest benefit to me. Um, you know, the work is still coming in. Uh, and, and I think that you have to strike while the iron cock because we only have this 15-minute block of space. It's what you do with it. And I see most of the people that, that go through this kind of thing on reality television shows, and I'm not saying that it's, uh, you know, face-off, because face-off is unique. But, um, you know, most of the time you get on a show, you drift back into anonymity after that show. And Sci-Fi Face-Off actually has the ability of being a launching pad and not a landing strip. You start off on Face-Off, but really, if you're good at what you do, and you're professional, and you see that, they're going to tap you for work. And uh, not just doing demos and shows, you're going to get tapped for actual you know, movies. What is? What do you think is the most important thing that you learned while being on Face Off? Um, you know, one of the most important things that I learned was was probably that I could do it. Um, you know, you always wonder when you're in a position where you actually have to compete on that level. Are the people that told you that you couldn't do it? Are they going to be the correct? And, uh, you know, the one thing that I was surprised when I got on there is that I rose to the challenge. Uh, not only did I do well, but I was on all 14 episodes. Um, and, you know, the confidence boost that I got and, and just knowing that I could do it, that was the most important thing that I walked away with, I think. Well, I, I wanted to, to, to hit on something that you said that I really uh, agreed with. You said, uh, you know, Face Off it was a launching pad, not a landing strip. And I agree with you 110%. It seems like the people that come off the show go on to greater gigs because we've had some good friends who've come on that have been on other reality shows. And you're right. Like, they get on the reality show. They have their 15 minutes. They think it might play out or pan out to maybe another gig of some sort. And when it doesn't, then they go back to working at the coffee shop or they go back to whatever their day job was. And it's like, well, you know, it's great that you had the opportunity to do that, but if it's not leading to something else, then, you know, it really doesn't help you much. But with face off, it seems like it's almost a family and like you guys all try and help each other out as much as you can. Oh yeah. Well, by, by definition, um, you know, when you're a special effects artist, by definition, you're working in a team. Uh, no man or woman is an island in this, in this career. You depend on other artists. In a recent film uh, that I was working on, uh, there was a group of nine of us, I believe, if I remember correctly, nine of us that were making up 50 characters. One person couldn't do all of that. You, you depend on your fellow brothers and sister artists to bring this about. Um, and Face Off as a whole is kind of a microcosm of that. You're working with Starting at an RP that we started out with 16 people, I could have not imagined that those 16 people would become my brothers and sisters. Um, but it's because of the, the very, um, you know, the, the, the network that you have is a special effect. The fact that this is a very active uh, partnership. You know, when you do a movie or you do anything like Face Off, it's a partnership with these people. It's a cooperative event. And, um, you know, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I love that aspect of it. But that's, again, it's the microcosm of the way it is. 
world in the real career of special effects makers. Well, also, and I think that sci-fi in a lot of ways has got to give you guys a lot of love because uh, Face Off is definitely, I would say, one of their centerpiece jewels when it comes to their television lineup. I mean, it's one of their highest-rated shows year in, year out. So I'm sure not only do they want to have a great show, but they want to see you guys succeed afterwards because yeah. it just makes – them a better show a better company and it helps them getting you know new artists and new people to come on the show easier if it's like yeah all of our winners are working in hollywood now or doing these big movies i love it the show is just fascinating like i love watch it's so so interesting to watch it and see the process of what what it takes and what you have to go through even something that you think is not going to be that involved you know, then you sit there and you actually watch it being done. It's like, wow, there's a lot more to doing that than what you think there's going to be. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one one really missed opportunity, and if I ever got in front of, you know, producers that had to pay or some pull in this situation, I would love to see a behind-the-scenes, you know, like a whole season of behind-the-scenes stuff because there's so much that goes into making the mold. And you literally see probably maybe five minutes of the actual mold-making process. And, you know, you think of the benefits that that would be to someone that was just getting into this that needed to know how to make mold. That's guerrilla mold-making at its finest. You have only a finite time to get that mold done. But, man, I tell you, if they had like a DVD or a Blu-ray box set where you could actually have hours and hours and hours of the behind the scenes, the sculpting of the textures, the creations of the mold, the doctoring of the edges so they lay down and, and are seamless. And, you know, one thing I can put into perspective, and I don't like to talk a lot about the behind-the-scenes stuff, but one thing I can put into perspective for you guys, this is all done real-time. When you see this episode, the stuff when they say, hey, you got 10 minutes or you have 15 minutes, that's all real. When they say you have 30 minutes to design your character, you only have 30 minutes to design your character. From beginning to end, you have between 18 and 21 hours from beginning to end to put something on that stage for the judges. Not many people wrap their heads around that. That's, that is fast. But you're, you have all of that footage of the process that kind of people don't get to see. Um, so I would love to see a grassroots effort write sci-fi and say, hey, come out with a Blu-ray or put these behind the feet, uh, you know, images out there. I bet you that would sell a million copies by itself. Absolutely. And you said something about gorilla, you know, gorilla creation. And, like, that. I kind of lead it to another segue where it's – I'm a huge, huge Planet of the Apes fan. Like, that's probably one of my fondest memories growing up as a kid, watching those films. And you have this amazing <laughs> yeah. bust that you did of uh, Cornelius. Like, how, how does that work when you – like, I have an idea, and this is what i got to do. Do you have to, like, draw it out? Like, like fi how do you figure out what you're going to do, before, you know, when you have an idea? Well, you know, I'm, I'm patient with something and very impatient with others. Um, you know, I – you know, every once in a while if I have to, like for a, a producer or whatever, I'll come up with a sketch or a design or, or I'll do something in the computer real quick. Uh, but I really love to just get in there and start sculpting. So I kind of surround myself with as many uh, photos of what I'm trying to create as possible. So in this case, it was it started out as a bust study of Roddy McDowell. And then over that clay sculpt, I added all of the stuff from John Chambers' original makeup. So I sculpted the, the, the muzzle parts. I sculpted the brow parts. 
that was the one that I finally molded. But really, I skipped the whole, you know, artist rendering thing and went right to sculpting off of actual photos from reference material, uh, which is often how I have the most fun. That one was done as a personal project, as a spec piece, and as well as the Gandalf piece that I did. That was done just because of the love that I have for the character and the series. That, that's just amazing, like to because, like you said, there's a lot that goes into it, and that you know us lay lay people don't understand. You know, that I think that's what's so great about Face Off is it kind of puts the special effects, um, lifts it up, you know, for other people to see and to kind of glorify that genre. And I that's kind of why I love to sit down and watch a show because it, it kind of you know fascinates me how everyone can get together and, and you also get to think on the fly as a creator. It helps kind of test your boundaries, like test yourself, like because you know what your you know your weaknesses are and to be able to improve your weaknesses and to be able to you know, have an idea and to be able to see it to fruition has got to be an awesome feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing about Face Off is you don't have time for doubt. You ever notice, like, when you, uh, the more you dwell on something, the more you can kind of come up with reasons why you shouldn't do it. And with Face Off, it's so fast-paced that you don't have time for doubt. You just go in, and uh, another phrase I love, man, you jump and then you find your parachute. That's a perfect example of, of what you do on Facebook. You kind of just say, this is what I want my end result to look like. And you may try something and fail miserably, but you're going to jump and then find your parish. Well, no, no. And I, I definitely think that that happens a lot more on that show than you think, because there's definitely been times where I've watched it, and I think you're exactly right, like people – kind of had an idea in their head and then they just figure it out on the fly and just seeing you guys doing all of that on the fly you know you you get your your project and then to do it in the little bit of time you've got is just really really incredible exactly yeah yeah i mean um you know they're they're in their 10th season now if you're watching now um they're in their 10th season and you learn something from each one of those competitors that bring a different skill set to the table, and they each handle that stress differently. They each handle, um, you know, that on-the-fly kind of thinking and thoughtfulness. Uh, it's really neat to see that spread of ideas. Well, Scott, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with some more with Scott Faceoff here on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. There's a lot of things making me mental 99 problems and resolving them all could be so simple Yeah, I don't have the intellectual slack or fundamental Why is in my raps? Yeah, my voice is so instrumental My rap style's explosive, my mind is so corrosive Yeah, it can be a shock and my emotions are explosive Truly a mess, such a lyrical mess And I don't need the water, let them know I'm the best Cause there's many ways I tend to use side Watch these kids boo, cause I'm such a supreme kind of true trick this episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by RetroGameTreasure.com. These boxes are handcrafted to your playstyle and sent to your home, and they start as low as $29.99. Tell them about the boxes they can get, Johnny. They can get anywhere from three to five games a month, 
from the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo, the Nintendo 64, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Sega Genesis. You know, they have it all with Retro Game Treasure. And Deuce is a custom box. They handpick things that you like. They have an amazing website. You put on what you have, put on what you like, put on the genres that you want. They send it to you, custom handbox straight to your door. And of course, they never send you any duplicates. And they always ship on the 22nd of every month, so you know they're on time just for you. And it's so easy to order, Deuce. What is the website? The website is RetroGameTreasure.com. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. It's a whirlwind. Let me tell you well, now we're back with Scott from Face Off, and there was something you said earlier, and and I caught it, and I didn't want to drive past it. You said you made a Greatest American Hero action figure? Yes, yes. It was a very limited but licensed piece that I did for the effects show. I think it was uh, 2012, thereabouts. So, yeah, I got, to, I got to make one of the one of the figures based on one of my favorite series as a kid. Well, see, I love that show, too, and I know I'm, uh, I'm being 33. I think I'm kind of in the minority, it seems like. It seems like it's a generation a little bit ahead of me that really loved that show, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was me, man. I'm I'm about ten years older than you, and that was our demographic. But yeah, I, I had very fond memories of that show, and and uh, you know when I was asked to go to head for that figure, uh, I wondered how much they wanted me to pay because that was one that I really enjoyed. I it was a dream project. Got to meet William Cat and show him the figure. In fact, he signed the card that the figure is mounted on, and signed it. You know, you made me thanks. amazing have you done any other action figure work um tertiary stuff i mean I, i've done a lot through the years um some stuff i can talk about other stuff i can't because it's like a work for hire type of thing um but you know i've got uh again i i, I hate to tease it but if you guys are going to be at megacon this year you're going to get to see one of the pieces that i sold um and it's a very high profile another very light but you hit me up at Mexicon, I'll, I'll show you what I've been working on. But there are a lot of different projects I have in fire right now. Um, and, you know, that was one of the big ones that I've been working on. And I think you guys are going to love it. Nice. Well, I'm hoping we'll get to see some of it at Sci-Fi Bartow. And I know you're going to be there at Sci-Fi Bartow doing uh, some live demos and things. Is there any other action figures you made that you have actually can, can physically talk about? Um... Action figures that I've made, I can tell you one thing. They're not really stuff you can buy in the store, but they were a blast working on. Season 5 of Robot Chicken. If you guys are a fan of that, I can yeah, yeah, that yeah. on that show. Yeah, that was, that was a blast. Because you get to do these figures and send them in, and you wonder how they're going to mess with them. You 
because you know the group from Robot Chicken, they're going to just destroy your figure. Um, but yeah, we had some fun seeing what they did with uh, some of the ones that I did were the Macaulay Culkin figure from the Home Alone, the dating game with the guys from the Back to the Future series. So I did a bunch of those that, that you know, were icons for me. I love doing them. But then to see how Robot Chicken kind of takes them and turns them on their ear, that was the big fun. Well, that I got a question for you about that because a number one, that's amazing, and number two, like, how does that process go? Do they contact you and say, "Hey, we need you to make a figure of this character and that character and this character," and then you mail them off to them, or how does how does that work? Well, that's exactly how it works. They come to us with a concept and they say, "Hey, we need this head, this head, this head," and you know, you don't have a lot of time. Again, it's like just get it done. Um, I usually only had about a day for the sculpt. Um, so that would include usually, um, you know, from beginning to end, a day's worth of sculpting, and then it goes for approval. You then turn around the pictures to the producers, and then they say, okay, change this or tweak that. And then as soon as they say, okay, that's good, you get it in the mold, pop out a prototype, paint it up for them, and send it back. And it really happens that fast. Wow. Well, that's awesome, and no offense, I think that's got to be an interesting piece of your resume, just to say, hey, I made some of the action figures for Robot Chicken. Yeah, it, it definitely has its fan following, you know, and that was a direct springboard off of, um, I don't know if you guys, you might remember a publication called Toy Fair? Yes. Back in the day, and this is way, way back when, I'd say probably, you know, mid-90s, the late 90s, uh, there were two guys that did, uh, you know, a lot of the figures that you see in the pages of the Toy Fair, and you can still find these, you know, photos online. But Charlie Flat started it out, and then they tapped me a few, uh, you know, a few years into the series, and said, could you do some of these figures? So I actually got to do, you know, probably close to two dozen figures for Toy Fair, um, you know, the different characters for the Toy Fair Theater. So my love affair or Miko figures goes way back then. So the uh, the video version of that, the Robot Chicken, was kind of a natural. And uh, good friends of mine, uh, Joy and Tom uh, from Joy and Tom Studios, uh, they uh, they were my buddies, and, and they said, hey, we can't do all these figures ourselves, but we you come in on this season? And I was able to go in and, and work with them on, on season five. So I mean, kind of like that, uh, that history repeat itself, you know, but... Hey, Scott, I had a question about full body work as opposed to just doing the, the face and prosthetics. Like, how, how does that work when you're, you're like, you have to do a full body work? I know it seems to be a lot more involved. Well, when you do a full body, uh, like a full body suit, are you talking about like a, a body suit or a prosthetic for the full body? Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I don't really know what the differences are. Can you explain that? Well, like, most of what you saw on face off were elements or prosthetics that go on to the body. But um, those are kind of difficult in and of themselves because you notice on face-off, we had, you know, their vice cast, but we didn't have their body cast. So we have, like, male mannequins, female mannequins that we consult on, but those proportions never matched up. So uh, ordinarily, you would have, like, a torso and you would consult on that actor's, you know, model form. Well, you know, you don't always get that, that benefit, so... Yeah, on face-off, we had a lot of epic and tough we had to do to get it to fit on our model. But in reality, you have a uh, 
whole body, um, and you would actually do both over the whole body. Perfect example for that: alien, predator, pumpkinhead. Those are all sculpted over a body form, and then that's like a whole rubber suit that goes on the actor. And if they are good pantomime artists, they can bring that to life. Whereas prosthetics, if you're just putting on a chest piece or scale similar to like Rebecca Romain Stavos in uh, X Men series, those were like prosthetics that put onto her body, not necessarily in full suit. So that's where you draw the difference. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, I also have a question about male and female anatomy, because like, is there like a different type? A process you have to go through when you when you're able to do like a prosthetic for a female as opposed to a male, or is it the same same process? Um, you know, it, it's so similar. And when I when I work on uh, whether it's a male or a female, um, you know, you kind of stop thinking about it being a gender, and it's just the job. Yeah. Um, so as far as that goes, it's very much the same the same thought process. You're just transforming. You're putting one person's image and porting that to another image. So for me, whether it's the male fat dude or a body dude or something like what you saw in X-Men, like, you know, the, the Mystique character, you don't really look at it as a male or a female character. It's just, it's just a gig. It's just a job. So they're very, very similar in execution. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I had a quick question for you. Like, uh, you mentioned X-Men. I wanted to get your thoughts real quick on what you think of uh, it's like superhero movies. Do you watch them? I mean, obviously you have to for your craft, but like, like do you have any favorite um, superhero films? Oh my gosh! I think my favorite superhero films right now. I love the Avengers series. That's um, that's probably my favorite right now. Um, uh, I love what they do with the blend of of pra practical effects and the CGI. Um, that's always amazing to me. I also love the, the forthcoming Batman Superman just because of the big fat comic nerd. Um, I, I really have high hopes uh, uh, as to what they're going to bring to the table. Was there anything that you would say is your dream project? Like, if you could work on any set, any particular project, is there anything out there you're like, man, I just really want to do, I'd really love to tackle? Man, that's a tough question. You know, if I'm talking sci-fi genre, um, I think the pinnacle would have to be working on a Star Wars film. Um, it doesn't matter what. I would just love to work on a Star Wars film. Um, the other one that would be so near and dear to my heart would be um, a Universal Monster film. Um, I, I kind of got into this because of my love for 1931 Frankenstein. Um, the whole reason I'm doing makeup effects day is, is because of Jack Pierce's makeup in that movie. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I would love to work on, on like, a good old-fashioned, uh, either a reboot or some homage to the old Universal Monster class. Well, you mentioned Star Wars earlier, and, and of course, I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, and the one thing that you have to appreciate as a special effects artist is what J.J. Abrams did with uh, the new film, because he brought it back to the old 70s days, you know, with all the different Muppets and the and the space, uh, the facial, you know, prosthetics, and like he brought in a lot of these characters that were not CG; they were real organic people. And like from you, that that's got to be like a huge thing for you, like appreciating it from you know, because you wear it with different spectacles than the average person, you know, because you, you're looking at it in different eyes. So like something like that really got to like you know make you excited. 
Oh, it does. And, and you know, the thing that, that I found the most exciting is that, you know, J.J. Abrams, he is such a fan of the nostalgia. So a lot of the, what you see on the film is, is so close to the original that, you know, old timers, the guys thought when they were kids in the theater, for me, and not to say anything bad about him, George, but George Lucas, when he did the prequel, he used the modern technology. He used, you know, the digital cameras and green screen all over the place. And I think it lost a little bit of what made Star Wars what it was, a little bit of the gritty universe. And J.J. Abrams' take on it, there was less green screen, there were real sets, there was practical effects, he didn't even shoot it on digital. He shot it on 35 millimeters. So, I mean, everything about the way he did it was a, a real love letter to the original trilogy. And that part really sailed it over the moon for me. So, being on it, on, you know, working for, say, a J.J. Abrams on something like that, you know that his heart is in the right place. I would love to work on a film under his, you know, under his control any day of the week. Well, one more question for you. Is there any action figures you would like to work on? Since you said you did like doing the action figures, is there one like particular franchise or brand or character you're like, man, I'd really, really love to do that? Oh, man. Just, just being so many action figures, I think, is a cool thing. Um, you know, I would, I would love to do some retro pieces, I think, some not to the old. Um, but, you know, my, my, the pinnacle of my collections are always the hot toys figures. So I would love to do, you know, if I ever got tapped to do a really good set of one six scale Ghostbusters figures, I would be over the moon. That would be something that I would love to do because I love the Ghostbusters. And, you know, Mattel stuff uh, didn't really nail the likeness. I, I have, in my past, sculpted a Bill Murray head, uh, but I would love to finish those out. Those would be the ones that I would love to, to do most, I think. Awesome. awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on with us. You're going to be at Sci-Fi Barto here this Saturday. You're also going to be coming and doing our show live at the booth, so it'll be good to see you there, too. Is there anything else you want to plug, or where can they find you? You know, I'm going to be all over the place in the coming month. Um, near and dear to my heart are anything children, uh, charity. Um, I've got an event coming up on the 27th to benefit. Uh, dietary needs for children. Definitely find out about that on my Facebook. Uh, I have another thing coming up towards the, the summertime for Give Kids the World. Um, those events are really important to me. Of course, keep watching my Facebook. I'm on there under Scott Fenster Sculpture Studio, as well as my, my public uh, Facebook under Scott D. Fenster. Look me up, hit me up, ask me questions. I try to answer every question that people ask me. And that's definitely the best way to find out where I'm going to be in the coming week. But lots going on, lots of touring, lots of shows, so definitely hit me up. Well, definitely, and we will do that for sure. Scott, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on with us here at the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Absolutely, guys. I wouldn't have missed it. Special shout-out to my girl at home, Amber. I love you, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. You have a good night. All right. Thank you, Johnny and Deuce. 
<laughs> Later. Later. And of course, that was Scott Finster from Sci-Fi's Face Off. And Deuce, people can find him on Twitter at Scott's Toy Box. That's S-C-O-T-T-S-T-O-Y-B-O-X. And of course, uh, Scott C on the Facebook. You can definitely check him out on there and see all the awesome work. I mean, dude, his his uh, Dr. Cornelius from Planet of the Apes is legit. It looks like you're looking at the actual actor. Like, it's unbelievable. So definitely check him out. Give him some love. Tell him the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce and Chain. Go see him at Sci-Fi Barto because guess what? The three of us will be at Sci-Fi Barto, Brandy. Yeah. So we're super stoked about that. And that's February 20th and a beautiful Barto, Florida. There's going to be lots of amazing things. You heard the commercial in the very beginning. I mean, there's, there's going to be iconic car show. There's going to be pet costume, face painting, trivia games, amusement area, kids activities. And guess what, guys? It is absolutely free. It is. It it's is a free event. Free. That is my favorite cost. It's amazing. And of course, the three blocks of fun. It's 200 East Main Street, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Check it out. Go see all the amazing guests and cosplayers and artists and amazing. Definitely stay for the amazing movie on the wall, the two-story high movie wall, Forbidden Planet, with the amazing, rest in peace, Leslie Nielsen. He's so awesome. Check it out. All the amazing sponsors there. And, uh, Deuce, how do people find us on the internet? You can find us at facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show. Also, you can hit us up on the Twitter machine at HH Podcast Show and send us your your emails to HH Podcast Show at gmail.com. And when you're putting in your hashtags in the Twitter machine, there's not one, there's not two, but there's three. Hashtag Happy, happy Hour Podcast, hashtag HH Podcast Show, and hashtag Deuces, Deuces on, on the loose. loose. Later. See you. And if you like the music that you heard on this episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, don't forget to check out our good friend Manic on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Manic Elite. Watch why that press leaving the mess on the compression. Now you know why I am the best. You're rocking with the best in that's nest. And that's a new record. And that's a new record. And that's a new record. Coming from the heavens like the comic, call me Ansible. Sengoku, the Dragon Ball Z's and no Bonsible. Throw it on in my team, the Triforce.